Tomorrow by. Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Well, it's been the best part of a year in the planning, but it all came together at Mountain View on the outskirts of Ramsey last Tuesday night, as hundreds of local people came together for an inspirational night of praise, worship, music and teaching, with friendship and food too. This morning we look back on Spring Harvest Local. The annual Spring Harvest is a teaching and worship event that's truly got something for everybody. It's a unique four-day break just after Easter each year for single people, for church groups and for the whole family, whatever their ages. It's a holiday, it's a festival, it's a conference, a time to play, relax and to encounter God. Spring Harvest has been around for about 40 years, based first in Minehead and Skegness, with Harrogate added to the venues a couple of years ago. And even more recently, Spring Harvest Local has been taking the experience out on the road. visit of Spring Harvest Local was masterminded by David Doricott, who's been to every Spring Harvest since it started in the 1970s. And he has the perfect venue at his Mountain View Innovation Centre just on the edge of Ramsey, with comfortable space for the hundreds of people who gathered there on Tuesday evening. Some came early and enjoyed a hot meal, or browsed the resources on display, or just chatted and relaxed. Then it was time to move into the huge hall for the main event. When it ended, I talked to a few of the people who'd clearly loved the experience. Young teenager Oni Ayres had this to say. I really loved it and I found all the talks really inspirational. But what really like stood out to me was Gavin's talk. I thought it was just so wonderful and in every way. I wonder how many people were here. It looked to me like about 400, something like that. Yeah, probably. I think it's just been a really good turnout. And honestly, I think it's just all Christians on the island coming together and joining in worship. It'd be nice if we did more of this on the island. Absolutely. I, I would definitely, for one, come. I think it's really good for young people as well, like myself, have these things to find ourselves in Christ and be at one with him. And for Pioneer Minister Reverend Alex Brown, the evening delivered exactly what he needed to hear. Oh, it was so good. It was just brilliant. I mean, to be here in this huge venue, I mean, it's cavernous in here. And we filled it. We filled it with light and music and praise and worship and prayer and the presence of God. And it was, it was so uplifting, absolutely brilliant. It's more than just emotional, you know. It's, I feel like the message that he brought, the message about how God can't be swept away, we can be confident in who God is and his power, you know, it's a real strong message for us to take away. And for me, as a, as a new minister, I still feel myself quite new, 
I need more of that. I need more people speaking positively to me and saying, we can do this. So let's find out more about the message at the heart of the evening. The main speaker was Gavin Calver, newly appointed leader of the Evangelical Alliance, the organisation that unites evangelical Christians and their churches in the UK. The Church Unleashed was Gavin's subject, and he based his talk on the book of the Bible that tells what the followers of Jesus did after he had gone back to his Father in heaven, the Acts of the Apostles. It's a book full of stories of inspiring faith and courage, and Gavin wants us to imagine how our communities might be if we lived like the Apostles and let our faith in Jesus be seen through the lives we lead. When Gavin last visited the island, he was leading the Youth for Christ movement. Yeah, I mean, this time it's a different message. My heart for young people remains the same, but I have a desire to see every person be given an opportunity to meet Jesus. And so this time we've come and we've spoken a bit from the book of Acts, which is what we'll be looking at at Spring Harvest next Easter. If you want to hear more of that, do come along in Harrogate, Skegness, Minehead. But we're looking particularly tonight at Acts 5, when the apostles are arrested for preaching, they're put in prison for preaching, then an angel releases them from prison and they go out and do some more preaching. And I'm particularly amazed about the fact that it just shows how incredible incredible God is, how powerful he is. It also shows that no matter what the world may try and do, Christianity actually can't be stopped by being put under pressure. But it also shows too that that even when you've been put under pressure, you're still a witness to the Jesus that you love. Because when the disciples are, are set free from prison by an angel, they go out and keep talking. So I just love the idea that God's so powerful the world notices. When the world sometimes tries to stop what God's up to, he's bigger than that. And that whatever we're facing, whether good or bad, we're still here to be witnesses to the Jesus we know and love. So that's kind of what we're talking about this time. Well, we have a choice. This is part of what we've looked at this time. We have a choice. We can live with a negative script or a positive script. One of the things I struggle with sometimes being a Christian is we, we moan at the world for being negative, but we can be quite negative ourselves. We can start saying that the church is nearly finished and other stuff that actually leave it to the world to make those observations. Or we can choose to have a positive script, which is the church has never grown so much in the world at any time since Jesus ascended than it did today. Today, more people have become Christians today around the world than any other day Christianity has been in existence. So are we going to choose to be positive and hopeful or are we going to choose to be negative? It might not be growing in your town, but your town doesn't have its own section in heaven. In heaven, there's just going to be family. And right now around the world, more people are joining a family than ever before. So let's be hopeful, not negative. While you're here, while we're all together for this Spring Harvest Local, it's easy to be absolutely on fire, on fire for the gospel, on fire for the message. But how do we keep that going when we're not here? Well, I think you have to fuel the fire of your relationship. I mean, I have a relationship with the living Jesus. Any relationship in my life without effort and without work doesn't stay fresh and doesn't stay vibrant. So we need to work at our relationship. But also when it comes to things like witnessing, witnessing is, is a habit. You know, it's like a muscle. If you've let that muscle go flabby, then it takes some work to get it strong again. But when we start talking to people about Jesus, it can become normal. It can become like a habit. It becomes like something we do. And when you start doing it, it's then hard to stop doing it. The the challenge for some of us is to get going. It was Spurgeon who said that every Christian is either a witness or an imposter. And we've got to do our best to not be imposters. I remember when you were talking on your last visit, when you were talking about young people and the value of young people, you said, remember that the disciples were aged between 15 and 22. That pulled me up short Mm. and I've carried that with me ever since because we somehow have an illusion that the disciples were Mm. older men. Mm. But of course they weren't. 
I mean, I feel a bit sorry for the disciples, to be honest, because if your teenage years were written down in the most read book in human history, it's not really very fair, is it? So we can give them a hard time for where they failed, or we can say, actually, you had to go. And I take great encouragement from the fact that Jesus doesn't need to use us, he chooses to. It would be much easier for him just to do it himself, but he chooses to empower us. That's why, you know, just before he raises Lazarus to life, he turns and he says, can a couple of you just move the stone? Why? You're about to bring a dead person to life. Why are you asking us to move the stone? Because he wants us involved. Or with the feeding of the 5,000, he turns a little boy's lunch into a meal for a field. But he asks people, who's, who's got the lunch? The Lord wants us involved in this. And I think that's a great privilege. And sometimes we allow our, our bad views of ourselves or our, our previous experiences to stop us having a go. But actually, sometimes, you know, we need to remind ourselves the most common promise in the Bible is not about anything you'll get. The most common promise in the Old and the New Testament is the same. God says to his people, I am with you. So if we know the Lord's with us, wherever we are at 11.30 on a Monday morning, God's with us. Therefore, we need to just be a bit braver. But don't be brave without being kind. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love. Gavin, final question. You are now the CEO for the Evangelical mm. Alliance. Do you feel there's a pressure on you to be different and, and take the whole movement in a different way? I think the reality is that evangelicalism remains the same. We are people who believe the Bible's the inspired word of God. Stop changing it to fit your culture. Change your culture with the word of God. We believe the death, death and resurrection of Jesus is the most important thing in human history. We believe in the need for conversion. You don't come to faith by osmosis. You get on your knees, you meet your saviour. And we believe in the need to be active in the world, making the world more like the kingdom. Those things don't change. The substance doesn't change, but the style changes like the wind. So we will innovate, we'll do new things, we, we will react to the issues of our day. But in all things, we as the Evangelical Alliance only really exist to unite the church in her mission and to give the church an effective voice into every layer of society, that together the church might make Jesus known. That never changes. But yeah, we're going to have a go at a few things. We're going to try some different stuff. We're going to innovate in our day. But at the same time, we're not going to put style over substance. We're going to make sure the main thing remains the main thing. I love the fact that a very well-known theologian was asked on his deathbed, one of the cleverest people in history, what is the most important thing you've learned? What's the most important thing you've developed in? What's the most important thing that you've come across? And he said this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We'll stick with that, then we'll try and reach the world with that good news. Lisa Holmes guided us through the various parts of the evening, introducing the speakers and leading times of prayer and reflection. Afterwards, I found out that Lisa is not just a member of the Spring Harvest planning team. She also leads a thriving Yorkshire church. I'm part of the Spring Harvest planning group, um, so I am involved in the, in the creating of the theme and all the ideas that we have about how to uh, reach all sorts of different ages of types of people with the theme and really communicate that really well. And then Harrogate for me is the main place that I um, call my home with Spring Harvest at the moment because it's in the north of England, which is where I live and am a minister. The theme, I would imagine a great deal of prayer goes into it. How do you work that out? We do spend a lot of time really praying together and we share our ideas and it's kind of a blank piece of paper and we listen to each other and 
every single year something just always rises to the top and and together we go yeah that's the one and we felt a real calling to doing acts and to looking at what the church in acts looks like today and so that theme of unleashed is to you know letting the church be what god has made it to be letting jesus be the head of the church and seeing the power of the holy spirit worked out through the church so yes we we have given it a lot of thought and then it it kind of comes together as we talk and pray together over a period of months Tell me about your church. I am the lead minister of a Baptist church in Skipton, which is a market town in the Yorkshire Dales. And I'm not originally from Yorkshire, but I've been there a long time now, so I feel like I am. Our church has been just so encouraging over the last few years to see the church grow in depth and discipleship. We've been working together with the other churches across the town. Out of that unity, more and more people have come to know Jesus for the first time. We've done a lot of community things as well, like Christians Against Poverty, and we run the food bank. And through reaching out to people in our community and making a difference practically. We've seen more people drawn into the community of the church, finding friendships and a safe space, a place to belong, a place where they can just be themselves. And then they've met Jesus and found that he is really transforming to their lives. So we are working now with people with life limiting addictions and really broken backgrounds but the stories of what Jesus does and the way the Holy Spirit's at work in them is is truly amazing and warms my heart really just looking at the people in my church and thinking wow what God has done is amazing. This is mission, isn't it? This is outreach. We've got to let people see that the church is there to do something. Mm. I think we did step back out of the marketplace for a while and maybe we were pushed away as well. But currently there's so much need. And, you know, if you're willing to step into that space and be really clear, we've learned to be really clear that this is about Jesus. It's about his love that motivates us. We're not trying to be social services. They do an amazing job and we work in partnership with as many of those people as possible. But there is something that the church offers that they can't offer and you connect with people don't you and and their suspicions go away and their anxiety and fear of what the church is going to be and you're going to get a bible and bash them over the head you know that goes and then you're able to have those genuine conversations with people that lead them to see Jesus for who he really is I mean we've literally had people come and say I would be dead if it wasn't for the church in Skipton I would have given up And Jesus has given me hope. I mean, there's nothing you can say in response to that. It it just makes you feel so humbled because we just try the best we can, you know, and sometimes it doesn't seem like a lot. How long will I have to hear the stories of how you were able? How long will I have to celebrate the miracle that's not my own? How long will I lift my voice and sing again that you are always good? When I'm feeling all this distance that I thought I never would, how As long as it takes for my heart to find its song As long as it takes to know that I'm still not alone And at the end of the day I will stand right here 
On Praise Today, we're looking back at Spring Harvest Local, an evening of worship and teaching on Tuesday last, led by Gavin Calver and Lisa Holmes, members of the Spring Harvest Planning Group. The message of the evening wasn't just about followers of Jesus today being courageous in talking about their faith. It is, as Lisa said a few moments ago, about serving our communities, meeting their practical needs. And the Spring Harvest team involved two people who do exactly this every day. The first was our own Michael Manning, who's the community worker for GRI, the charity offering non-judgmental emotional support and practical help to people who are homeless or have insecure housing. The charity reaches out to anyone in crisis and makes no demands on anyone to share Christian beliefs. But it's Jesus' instruction to love everyone that's at the heart of all they do. The second to speak was Lee Milligan from Mercy Ships, which operates the largest charity-run hospital ship in the world, the Africa Mercy, delivering free, vital medical care to some of the world's least developed countries. Lee had some truly staggering facts about the number of people needing the charity's help. So every year 17 million people die because of a lack of access to surgery. The vast majority of those are in sub-Saharan Africa. So for you and I, something that is preventable, treatable or curable, that we would have no problem with in this country, could be something that kills in another country. That's that's more than HIV, TB and malaria deaths put together. 17 million is a number we, we can't comprehend. And it can be something as simple as a cataract in a child. If you get a cataract under age five in Africa, your chances of surviving to age 10 drop by 400% because you live in such a harsh environment that losing your sight could be the end. It could be something as simple as an obstetric fistula, which is where a woman goes through childbirth, the child dies in labour because they don't have the correct maternal care and she's left in Continent for the rest of her life, pushed out of our community. We don't hear about this in this country because it it doesn't happen and yet a 30-minute operation on the Africa Mercy can transform that woman's life, can save her life, re-introduce her back to her village. We give her a new hat, a new dress, we walk her back into the community and she's re-welcomed back in. These life-changing and life-saving operations are so simple. But it's not just about doing the surgery, because one of the things you were also saying is that you train local people mm. to carry on the care yeah. when you're not around. Yeah, it's, it's hugely important that we don't swoop in from the West and try and solve all the problems, because, number one, we can't. We are a scratch on the surface in many ways, but we train over 1,500 medics every year in-country to continue the work after we've gone. We went to Guinea 10 years ago, and we would normally have a screening day where we'd meet 4,000 patients, and we'd expect to find seven or 800 cleft lip or cleft palate patients that we could perform on. We went there 10 years ago, we did some training, we came back five years later, and we did the same screening day, and we found just seven patients because a gentleman called Dr. Karumba, who we'd trained five years previously, had trained two other individuals, they'd opened up a practice together, and half of all their surgeries they were doing for free. And so we didn't have to deal with that problem anymore. Those people were sorting it for themselves. And so we've got to be there to do life-saving operations. We've got to be there to train local people and upskill them to continue the work long after we're gone. How many medical people give their time voluntarily? Do people give a portion of their year, perhaps their holidays or something? Is that, is that how it works, Lee? Yeah, so there are nearly 1,200 volunteers a year from over 40 different nations that serve on board the Africa Mercy. They'll give anything from two weeks to three months to a whole year at a time, either a career break or some other holiday. And it's not just medics, only half the roles on board are medical. And in fact, the roles that are hardest to fill are mariners, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, cooks, bakers, all the roles 
to keep this floating village hospital alive and well. And so if you're interested in volunteering, if you think I've got a skill, but oh, I'm not medical, I guarantee there's something on that ship that, that we need you to do. And does the ship keep going the whole time? Is it on the move the whole time? So we will work for 10 months in a country at any one time. And then in the two months in between, we will sail into dock, do some repairs, restock, replenish, and then head back out. So it's 10 months in a country at any one time. We've just arrived in Senegal. We opened up the doors last week of the hospital. We'll be there for 10 full months through the summer. Then we'll be off for end of June and July. And then August, we arrive in Liberia. And your role is telling people what you do? Yeah, I'm not a medic or a mariner so the captain runs the ship the chief medical officer runs the hospital they don't let me near any of that my job is to make sure that all the back office stuff works we've got enough volunteers to make it all work that the business stays running and open and, and alive and well and come to great events like this in the Isle of Man and speaking to audiences inspiring them telling the story about how they can be part of saving or changing a life for Bob Jevons it was those stories of the church in action in the community that touched him most deeply yeah, I thought it was wonderful to actually see the diversity of people from different ages, different churches, different denominations, and the, the harmony that was there amongst everybody. And I think there's just a sense of enthusiasm and encouragement. There are some amazing people, Judith, on the Isle of Man. They do wonderful work, and it's often under the radar. So it's great to hear some lovely stories tonight, and uh, for people going away just generally encouraged. I think it was particularly poignant that it was Michael Manning from Gry, from the homeless charity, that, who was speaking there as representative of the, of the church interacting with people. There was almost a challenge there, as well as a story to be shared, there was a challenge for us, wasn't yeah. there? Yes, very much so. I know they've been overwhelmed by the number of people needing accommodation overnight. I think something over 300 nights have been, have been used. And so there's a, there's a real need. And that are some big questions about our society, that in an island that's so prosperous and people are living in comfort, that there is, there is a many increasing number of people who are on the edges and how we react to them, how we meet their needs and how we encourage them. And it's great to see the church doing so much. Walker leads Scripture Union Ministries Trust on the island. Her team partners with schools to help enhance the spiritual and moral aspects of the curriculum without delivering any faith content. And they work in church and community groups too. For Ruth, Tuesday evening was just the boost that she needed. I think it's been really great. It's been amazing to see so many people from so many different churches coming together, worshipping God together. It's been an incredible evening. We're so excited to go and yeah, live out some of the stuff we've been learning tonight. Music was a huge part of the time of worship on Tuesday evening, led by singer-songwriter Lou Fellingham and her band. Early in the evening, Lou said, We're not just here to sing a load of songs. There's much more to it than that. As she was leaving, she had this to say about the value of music in worship. 
I've always loved singing and I, and I became a Christian when I was very young and so from a young age I've always wanted to tell people about Jesus through singing and so God has given me opportunity to do that in all sorts of different ways. So yeah, I feel very privileged to be able to express my worship and be able to lead people and hopefully direct them to him, not to me. And I guess there's something very powerful as we sometimes listen and wait and then also there's power as we articulate truth and we sing about who God is and who we believe he is to be actually that also speaks to our souls and does something in our spirit so it's very important that we do both This morning we've been looking back at a great event brought to the island by longtime supporter of Spring Harvest, local businessman David Doricott. It seems fitting that he should have the last word. I'm thrilled to bits, Judith. Um, I, I think what I'm most thrilled to bits uh, about is that out of the 300 plus people here tonight, there was almost every flavour of Christendom that's on this island. And that just has to delight Holy Spirit because Jesus said so much about unity whenever he talked about the church. And we actually experienced it tonight. We worshipped together. I just thought it was absolute heaven on earth. As long as it takes for my heart to find its song As long as it takes to know that hope is never gone And at the end of the day I will stay right here and say I know that you love me I know that you love me I know Well that's all we have time for on this morning's programme but today's Praise podcast has something extra for you to enjoy. The whole of the Buchan School with teachers and parents singing One Wish, a special song that they recorded on Friday as part of the One Day, One Choir Global Peace Initiative that uses the power of singing together to unite people around the world on Peace Day. My thanks to Mrs Sue Mills from the Buchan who sent me their recording.
congratulations to the whole of the Buchan School for taking part in the One Day One Piece Global Peace Initiative with their song One Wish. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. The Praise blog is where you'll find our full church notice board, alongside details of everything that we've talked about on today's programme. Again, go to manxradio.com, on the homepage, click on air, and on the drop-down menu, follow the link for blogs. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company, and I wish you, and those you love, every blessing in the days ahead. (laughs) 